Yes, good morning. Greg Channon is my name. I'm the Chief Geologist for Elixir Energy, based in Perth, Australia. Elixir has three assets uh, around the world. Firstly, uh, two assets in Mongolia, a coal seam gas asset in the Gobi Desert. Secondly, a hydrogen project also in the Gobi Desert. And thirdly, a gas project in Queensland, Australia. Greg, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to see you again. Uh, it's been a while. Uh, I think the last time I spoke to you was uh, Australia was still in the grip of the of the pandemic. Well, the world was, but uh, Western Australia was uh, still had its travel ban. Um, so how have you been? Well, look, uh, really good. Thank you, Merlin. It's uh, It was great to get out of that uh, lockdown, as you say. I, uh, I must say that Perth uh, was unique in the world and that we locked everybody out of our state rather than our homes. And so the lockdown that within the uh, uh, within Perth itself was quite modest, but of course you couldn't move outside the state for uh, for many, many, many months. So uh, and now it's good to be back on the road. I've already been to Mongolia multiple times and we're uh, making progress uh, again. Good, 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 good. Um, now, I, w I will come on to Mongolia, but I noticed that in your uh, corporate presentation, you very much lead uh, with the grandest gas project in Queensland, um, just west of Brisbane. So, um, no, you're you're the chief geologist. You must have had um, some input in the decision on the kind of geological prospectivity. Uh, could you tell me about your your relationship with the project? You know, when did you um, when did you kind of get involved with it, and what was your input into select in the selection process? Yeah, look, uh, certainly, Merlin. Now, look, uh, Southwest Queensland is a place that I'm pretty familiar with. So, uh, I cut my teeth as a well site geologist in uh, the Cooper Basin and the Surrett Basins some 35 years ago. And it's an area that I've known pretty well. And look, it's interesting how as time's gone by, uh, a lot of areas get explored and yet others get left behind. And the uh, Tarim Trough of the uh, in Southwest Queensland, which is in the Bowen Surratt Basin, is an area that uh, hasn't been uh, deeply explored. And uh, over the last five or six years, I've been noticing that there's been more and more activity and uh, we've had a couple of tries at getting acreage here. And then in 2022, we were able to scoop up this block on the western flank of the Tarim Trough. And we're pretty excited to, uh, to have that. It is a, uh, has excellent prospectivity. And uh, it was an uh, a, a extensive team effort which guided Elixir to, uh, to bring this into their portfolio. Um just, just, just for my benefit, because I'm, 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 a, I'm a noob to the geology of the area. Uh, so the Bowen Basin is, I mean, I've heard of the Bowen Basin, that's, um, <clears throat> and that's in Queensland. And you, you spoke about the Cooper Basin and the Surratt Basin and the Tarum Trough. How do those, all, those four entities kind of relate to each other? And is it all gas production? Uh, uh, well, we're focused on gas production and these areas are mostly gas, but there is certainly oil production throughout that central region. So look, the in Queensland, uh, the key central basin uh, is called the Surratt Bowen Basin. The Surratt Basin uh, is the Triassic sediments and younger, and the Bowen Basin is the Permian sediments and older. Now in, the, in this area, of course, you've had uh, small gas fields uh, producing for uh, for many decades, particularly in the Bowen Basin. And most recently, of course, the Surratt Basin is famous for its CBM deposits, which have occurred really in the last 10 years. And so uh, we're focused on the Permian sediments, which are down deep, 
and we're looking at a particular play type which is completely unexplored in this region and that's the the what we call the the tight gas or what I'll refer to as the basin centered gas play now this is an unconventional gas play so the the the, the basin centered or the basin basin centered gas play okay what do you mean by that Okay, so that's an unconventional uh, gas trap, which has been proven already in the Turim Trough. And look, as simply as I can put it, uh, the gas is expelled from the coals, and that's well known. It's the key uh, source rocks of the greater region. And the coals are expelling gas at greater rates than it can escape and migrate into the structures that are all around the region. And so it leaves the centre of the basin overpressured and with gas trapped uh, within it in a more of an unconventional rather than a structural trap. Um, we, we, we. So it's, this type of play is very common in the US, and uh, but really hasn't been explored extensively in Australia as yet. When I hear a structural trap, I think of a sediment up against a kind of a fold or possibly an anticline, some kind of domal feature. Um, if the gas isn't in uh, a structural trap, what is it in? Okay, well, it still remains inside the uh, uh, the reservoirs, and they're held in basically hydrodynamically. The pressure surrounding the uh, the rocks is keeping the gas in place, and it's the uh, when we drill the the wells through that, and we uh, fracture stimulate them, so the gas flows. And so these unconventional unconventional plays are, of course, very common. In the uh, in the US, and the typical shale play is an example of a unconventional deposit. You've heard of the eagle foot and these types of plays. Well, this is similar to that. It's not an eagle eaglefoot style play, but basin centered gas is well known throughout the the US, and it has been explored previously in Australia in the Napamiri trough uh, some ten years ago, uh, and uh, we're sort of picking up on that information and really pushing it forward into the, uh, uh, you know, 2023. So the, the, the shale gas explosion in, in the US, and this kind of this miracle of fracking and the kind of the new gas production is essentially what you're looking to replicate here. Uh, yes, but in a, in a slightly different play type. So we're looking not in actually shales at all. We're looking in the sandstones and the, uh, the, the coals. And that's the, that's the real key. So in the past, this has been looked at in the uh, in the Cooper Basin, in the Napamiri Trough, uh, Santos, and a lot of international uh, oil and gas companies were exploring for this. And when you look at this play, there are some key issues that you're looking for. Number one is how deep is it, and uh, you've got to have it at a, at a reasonable depth, but not not too deep. Secondly, temperature is critically important. You can't have it too hot. Thirdly, pressure absolutely critical that you have some overpressure but not too much and then finally the stress regime is fundamental if it's if the stress regime is not oriented correctly then everything won't work and look what what we've noticed this is a little bit technical but look what we've noticed is that uh back in in the cooper basin there were some significant differences to what we're looking at in the towering trough and we see the towering trough as being absolutely unique in Australia, in terms of its potential for this type of uh, this type of play, and we've got neighbours around us who are actively working on it now. Uh, QGC, who of course are now owned by Shell, 
they've explored this area extensively and, and are active, as are Santos and also uh, smaller players. Um, when you, in this list of those four, four criteria, you mentioned depth and pressure, but surely that they, they equate to the same thing, possibly with an impact of the kind of the stress regime. But um, so, what's your what's your ideal depth that you that you're looking at? You know, what's the optimum depth? And also, that's also, you know, with a geothermal gradient, that will play a temperature will play a role as well. So, you know, there has to be a in in your geothermal environment that you are in the Barren Basin or the Tarum Trough. There'll be a kind of a sweet spot in terms of depth, and and that's where you want your sandstones and your colds to be in. Where, what depth is that? Yeah, so that depth would uh, it can be as uh, as pretty in our block. It's about thirty seven hundred meters to about forty three hundred meters. Uh, and and look, you mentioned pressure. Look, obviously uh, a normal pressure gradient uh, is represented by the hydrostatic gradient, which is simply the water on top of the rock. But of course, in this part of the world, it's overpressured. And so the overpressuring uh, assists with our ability to produce it because you get additional pressure associated with A, the, uh, the introduction of uh, source, source rock gas. And then secondly, as you mentioned, Merlin, the stress regime. And of course, the stress regime present day in this part of the world is generally strike slip. Uh, and what we've been doing in, uh, in our analysis in Elixir is we built some mechanical earth models, which took into account all those factors that I've just mentioned and the ones you've just raised. And they're quite complex uh, uh, software, but we've uh, built them ourselves. And we've identified that some of the coals within the section are not either compressive or strike slip uh, stress regimes, but in fact, normal. And a normal stress regime is ideal. So we have a normal stress regime coal that is fractured and associated with an overpressured petroleum system we think is going to be the key to commercial production for the first time in this area. So you you effectively in your in your thousand kilometer block and within your I mean you've got um in your three C number, you've got uh almost fifteen hundred BCF of kind of target resource and what you're, are you saying that within that you can map areas where there are you can model areas where there's a normal stress stress regime which will be your priority targets uh yes and though it's not so much aerially as it is vertically actually some of the vertical stratigraphy is normally pressured whereas some of it is some of it is in strike slip and that is the absolute key so and how do you pick that out with seismics i mean do you do you say do you kind of try and identify Yes, we do. We use seismic and we also use a well logs from the existing penetrations. Now, uh, it's probably worth mentioning that surrounding the block, uh, wells have been drilled by uh, QGC going back about uh, a decade ago. And those wells are in the public domain now. And each one of those wells intersected a gas target uh, and produced gas. Uh, the largest rate, I believe, was about 3.5 million cubic feet per day from Daydream 1. However, that was an instantaneous rate, not a sustained rate. But uh, that's the kind of the headline uh, number that is in the records from the, uh, uh, from the government that where uh, QGC lodged their, uh, their information. And so it's our challenge to try and get those sorts of rates on a sustained basis rather than an instantaneous basis. Bear in mind that our first well, which will be called Daydream 2, 
is actually only a couple of kilometres away from Daydream 1, uh, which is further to the west, just outside our block. And do you envisage importing the kind of the fracking skills and the, to the technique from uh, the US? Or maybe, maybe it already exists in, in Australia. And um, I guess the question is, is this going to be kind of a frack play? Uh, well, look, there will be there will be fracture stimulation involved. I think that's almost uh, certain at this stage. In terms of the uh, technology, um, it's going to be a combination. We will use the US base as a as a start because, of course, their expertise there and they've been doing it for many years. But we're going to be doing some quite different um, techniques, actually, in terms of the types of frac we're going to use and also the way we're going to complete these wells and the way we're going to uh, produce them. And in fact, there's going to be quite a research and development component to this. We're going to be doing things in this well at Daydream 2, which have never been done in Australia before. Uh, can you give me some kind of, some examples of, 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 kind of the way that you're... Uh... Uh, you know, well, I'll, give, I'll give you one very specific one, and that's around the... Uh, uh, when we do fracture stimulate, we're going to be using a uh, micropropin. So uh, when normally you fracture around the world, and look, in Australia, uh, look, fracking in the Cooper Basin and in parts of Queensland has been going on for, uh, you know, I think, 50 years almost, actually. Uh, there's nothing new about it. It's a, safe, it's a safe technology. It's done in very deep rocks, as are these. There's no issues with the surface whatsoever. Uh, and normally, when you push fluid into the, uh, into the rocks, you use a propant, which is uh, typically a sand or some sort of spherical... Uh, ball, if you like, that's a very small size to keep those fractures open. And uh, what we've seen from our research is that you can use uh, micro-sized uh, propens, which are literally uh, grains the size of flour, so very, very small, to start seeding the these fracks. And it's been very effective, particularly in coals. And so that's something that has never been done before in Australia, using a micro-propent to frack open a coal seam. And uh, we think this could be the key to opening up the uh, the productivity in this part of uh, uh, the Tarim trough. Now, obviously, drilling a drilling a four-kilometre, um, or thereabouts, plus or minus 10%, a kind of a four-kilometre well and fracking it is is quite a thing. It's, it's going to take a bit of time to, to, to do and to... Um, to design and to uh, carry out and then to test. Can you just give me some indication of um, the process for designing, that how much time you expect and, and, and when you can uh, uh, ideally expect results from it? Uh, sure. Well, look, the uh, the design is well underway, actually. And in terms of uh, four-kilometre wells, uh, look, they're routinely drilled in Australia these days. I think you can look to uh, wells being drilled in Northern Territory at the moment, which are also fracked. I believe they're reasonably deep in the Cooper Basin. Uh, Four-kilometre wells are, are drilled relatively uh, uh, commonly. Uh, in terms of the fracking, um, certainly at the moment, most of the, the deep fracking that's going on in Australia is either in the Cooper Basin or up in the Northern Territory. Of course, there's been a lot of that in uh, written about in recent times in, in Australia. Um, and so uh, it's not that complex. We will take, you know, six months or so to get everything in order but um, that's it's not really that that big an issue uh, look with respect to the drilling uh, look we would probably say somewhere between 30 and 40 days it would take to drill a well of that depth I don't think it's it's particularly 
uh, complex. And also, I might add that um, there are multiple worlds or rigs, I should say, that are currently literally 50 or 100 kilometers away from our block, which are uh, available for uh, uh, for use probably later in the year. So uh, the timing is actually perfect to, uh, uh, to, 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 to trial this type of uh, operation. So it gives you uh, nine months to uh, get the planning done. Ideally, find a partner because that's that's one of the key things is that you're not going to do this by yourself. You're going to look look for some kind of um, farm out relationship. Um, yeah, look, we're looking at a number of different ways uh, to uh, to get this this funded. Look, we do have the funding uh, to to drill it on on, on our own, but uh, I think Neil and the board have advised me that uh, that they're open to any suggestions, any innovative suggestions on how we might get some assistance to go through that. It's always best to share the risk uh, with other parties. Uh, and, uh, and look, you know, we're talking to uh, a number of groups at the moment. And when you talk about kind of the geological risk on this, on the, on, on the drill, um, you've, you've mentioned a couple of kind of, um, this will be the first time, a few firsts. Uh, uh, what, what gives you the comfort that this is the, that, that this is a substantially de-risked project, you know, um, or, or, or a target because uh, lots of in, in, innovation in my mind kind of equals risk but uh, you seem pretty relaxed well certainly because we already know the gas is there so there is one there is one risk that uh, that we're facing and that is can we get the world to flow at a commercial rate so uh, as I just mentioned previously there is gas in every direction uh, already uh, discovered in this play so the, the play is proven without any doubt and that's why uh, ERCE who are independent reserve auditors uh, gave us some 400 BCF of uh, a contingent resource so that resource is already there that's only in the sands so that is is kind of ready to be produced all we've got to work out is uh, uh, you know how we will break open the, uh, the sandstones to get it going and then, of course, uh, the other part of it is the coals. Now, the coals have never been done before, so that's why that's a prospective resource of some 1.5 TCF. So there's almost 2 TCF in total split between the coals and the sandstones. So we know that uh, the gas is present because it's been uh, logged and tested in, in wells surrounding our block. Uh, there's no debate that the gas is present. The challenge is how to get it out. And so, uh, first of all, uh, you know, we sit down and we, we sort of brainstorm where the best uh, reservoirs would be, which is why we identified those uh, fractured coals that are unnormally stressed. And then uh, we built some uh, what we call uh, dynamic models, where we uh, uh, basically input all the parameters which are all known because they're in well bores that are within a couple of kilometers away from us. And we built a dynamic model and then we stimulated it. We drilled it and stimulated it on the computer and identified that we could indeed get uh, commercial rates from it. So we kind of have the computer evidence that, that this will work. And we see it as an appraisal opportunity, not an expiration opportunity on that basis. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely unfamiliar with this process of doing a dynamic model and uh, stimulating it through computer modeling and giving you comfort that this is an, kind of a, an appraisal process. Um, is, is, is that something that's been, is that a conventional uh, modeling tool that has been proven in other areas? 
Oh, look, most, most certainly. Uh, I mean, around the world, uh, dynamic modeling is fundamental with all uh, oil field developments, actually. Uh, so, uh, look, you might have heard of the uh, Petrel software. I mean, that, that, that's a, uh, uh, one example. Uh, we use uh, uh, different types of modeling software. And, look, it's, it's actually quite common. In fact, every uh, fracture stimulation that would go on in the world would be modeled prior to, uh, uh, prior to it going on to ensure that you get your desired result. So, in fact, it's really a very common, uh, a common procedure. What's, I think, important is uh, the recognition of uh, the mechanical earth model, which is unique and, I guess, bespoke to what um, Elixir have been doing. When we feed that into our uh, uh, dynamic model, we get a very, well, not a varied, but a significantly different result to if you're just being, oh, look, we always just use the default, if you like, uh, Merlin. You, you know how computer models work. Use the defaults, get the standard answer. But we certainly did go down that road. Thank you. Uh, just going back to the uh, the 500 BCF of uh, contingent resource in uh, in the sandstones and the 1.5 TCF uh, of prognostic resource in the uh, in the in the in the coal is that a function of the there is three times the amount of um, vertical thickness in the coals or is it three times more um, productive? Or is the sandstone three times the aerial extent? You know, so what's the relationship ge geometrically and uh, between those the sandstones and the coals, please? Well, actually, Merlin, it's a combination of all three, actually. I couldn't really say it was one or the other. It's volumetrically guided, both vertically and horizontally, uh, and, and also relates to the confidence of how far you see the coals going. So... Um, it's not easy to explain. It, it's calculated volumetrically, but uh, at the end of the day, look, I might say that by the time we're successful in our coal appraisal, it'll probably be about 50-50. But at the moment, there's more prospective resource than there is uh, contingent. Okay, good. And when you put that, um, when you put that daydream two well down, you will be going through the sandstone presumably first, and then the coal underneath is that is, is that correct and you'll be hitting both targets oh absolutely and they are a little they're they're uh, they are uh interbedded so there'll be multiple uh, uh multiple examples of uh, of each coal and sand good and and th that whole package will sit within that uh three seven to four three kind of um depth window yeah that's i think that i think you're right that is about the sweet spot any any shallower than that and of course you risk in our area, specifically in our area, uh, you do risk the gas uh, not being trapped and leaking off at any deeper, and the permeability gets uh, uh, really t too small and you, you can't flow it. But, um, and that can change. That's specific to our area, and that can change from, uh, from area to area. And um, you also mentioned temperature as being a kind of a constraining factor, so perhaps it can get too hot if it goes any deeper. Well, exactly. And, uh, and of course, what we've found is that the... Uh, the geothermal gradient or the temperature gradient in this area is quite modest compared to other areas like the Napa Mary Trough. So there are a lot of reasons, like I've mentioned earlier, with respect to temperature. Also, CO2 is another, is another issue as well. That uh, Back in the Napa Mary Trough, CO2 was present in quite significant quantities and it was very hot and, and difficult, high pressure to, too high pressure to frack. Whereas in the Tarim Trough, the temperatures are right we think the depth is at the right location. Uh, the stresses appear to be uh, more reasonable. And 
uh, from all the records we've seen, very little, if any, CO2, which is a great thing. Um, <clears throat> now, I know it's not a kind of a geological question, but the, uh, the, the federal government has kind of thrown a spanner in the works in eastern, um, uh, in eastern Australia on, on the gas extraction. They're putting in a whole load of parameters. Can you just uh, give me a quick update on that, please? Yes, well, certainly the timing's not great on uh, uh, on the government, you know, getting involved in our uh, uh, in our uh, business on the east coast of Australia. Look, uh, the reality is they've announced that they will put a uh, a cap on the uh, on the price of gas in the domestic market, and that price actually is not unreasonable. I believe it was thirteen dollars, which um, which actually uh, there's nothing no issue with that at the moment. Now, I guess moving forward to the future, though, what people are worried about on the east coast of Australia is not the price, but the supply. And the supply is uh, looking troubled. And we've had several organisations, uh, uh, AEMO and a few others coming out and saying, look, there's potential for a real gas crunch coming and that we need more gas supply. So uh, we feel that this gas, uh, which of course is uh, can be quickly brought on because it's only 35 kilometres from the Wallumbilla gas hub. So that's the main gas hub, you know, one of the main gas hubs in uh, in southwest Queensland. And this gas, uh, when we do bring it on, has both the potential to be uh, brought in domestically into the east coast, but also it has can reach uh, international markets uh, via uh, Gladstone. And so uh, this gas doesn't have any domestic reservation associated with it. And so it will be available for uh, uh, domestic or international uh, sales. So if the uh, international price is a lot better than the capped federal price, that you would just drive the gas off, it would, it would be driven offshore? Well, look, I mean, that would, that would be the assumption unless, the, unless, of course, the government decides that's not the case. But at this, we're, awaiting the, um, uh, we're awaiting the guidelines, which I believe are coming out in uh, May or June. But... Uh, I mean, Merlin, look, the strong view from producers on the east coast of Australia is that there's more work to be done on in producing more gas and and uh, and Australia needs more gas full stop it, as a transition fuel without any doubt whatsoever. So, uh, look, I think the gas prices quoted is not certainly not something we can that is uh, restrictive to us. We can certainly work within that. And uh uh, you have both markets available to us. So, we, you know, we think that uh, there won't be any issues in bringing this forward. And can you um, can you get to the international markets through the Wallumbella Gas Hub? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and what's the, what's the spot price at the moment? Um... Oh, actually, look, now, now, that's probably one step too far. I mean, I was, go I was going to say maybe it's 12 or $13 US, but I'll, look, to be honest, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> this week. Um, it was. It was. I was. If if you knew, I mean, I, I just I was just trying to understand where that um where that 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 price cap came from. You know, is it kind of saying let's let's keep things steady at the moment, or was it just some kind of some far dated price which is well above the market? But no worries. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, Mongolia. We mustn't forget Mongolia. Um, we've <laughs> we've been speaking for about twenty five minutes about Australia, but uh. I like the fact that you've you've made kind of quick progress in Mongolia on, on the on the coal bed methane there, uh, the coal seam gas. Uh, you've you've run a pilot test. Um, um, you've got some work programs uh, in your in the presentation. You talk about kind of what you're going to be doing in 2023. Uh, perhaps you could just kind of quickly summarise the pilot testing and what you're planning to do this year. Yeah, look, certainly. So look. Um... 
I guess what we're particularly proud about in uh, in uh, Mongolia is that we have, even through COVID, we've maintained strong work programs and delivered on uh, providing a pilot test over the first coal seam gas project in Mongolia. And so, uh, you know, throughout COVID, we've had to work like this on Zoom. I can tell you that at some stages we had uh, Zoom meetings on the rig floor uh, with drillers conversing on which knobs to change and which dials to change to make sure that we were operating properly with regard to our testing and our uh, and our logging. And that's, been, that's enabled us to drill two very significant pilot wells. We call them Nongon 8 and Numgon 9. Uh, we sputtered them in, um, uh, I think it was uh, November last year. And by December, we had them both online for a pilot uh, gas pro uh, project. Now, in CBM uh, gas pilots, of course, you produce the water first. And then uh, as the water produces, so you lower the hydrostatic head, you lower the pressure in the coal reservoir, and the gas is dissolved. And what we noticed in our project is that the gas flowed from day one, albeit at low rates, it's flowed at day one. And then as we continue to flow the gas, the, sorry, the, as we continue to flow the water, so the gas rates increased uh, re relatively steady up to a sort of a, a maximum rate of around 200,000 cubic feet per day. And uh, throughout that time, the water rate remained reasonably steady at about 150 barrels of water per day. So a couple of things to, to note from, from that outcome is, firstly, look, 200,000 might not seem like 10 million cubic feet a day, but these are unconventional CBM wells, which we can produce, which we can drill and produce in literally almost a pattern program over, uh, you know, many, many kilometers. And of course, in Mongolia, we have a pretty low cost base for drilling. And so, you know, we think that we're on the cusp of something that's truly, truly commercial in, uh, on that basis. Look, secondly, uh, of course, we're in a desert. In, it's a high-altitude uh, high uh, desert in, in Mongolia, and water is a significant issue, as it is in the Cooper Basin and other parts of Australia. And so it was a relief to us that uh, the water wasn't flowing at extreme rates, which would require us to have to deal with it, either pump it down or, or you know, have some other use for it. And, of course, what we don't want to do is waste a valuable resource like water. So at 150 barrels a day, um, the rate is not so significant that it, it, it's a big issue. And then thirdly, uh, although our initial tests showed that the water was, well, brackish uh, and probably not suitable for either um, uh, either a stock or for watering, it's cleaned up slightly over, the, uh, over that period. And now it's at the brink of being usable for some stock. So it could have a use in its own right. So, so really, we're, we're really pleased with the way the test has... Uh, has gone. We've um, uh, there's been a lot of fine tuning. We've had to work it over. We take out pumps. We change it with other pumps. We shut it in. We try different rates. There's a lot of experimentation, a lot of data which has been acquired. But uh, you know, we're just uh, we're really very pleased that we could flow what I, what I believe is that you know the first CBM gas flare in in Mongolia. Great. Well, and congratulations on the technical successes uh, this far. Um, what happens now? What are you looking to do in the course of uh, 2023? Okay, well, the uh, the production pilot will run for probably another two months, uh, where we'll finalise and gather as much data as we can. Then that will be that will be shut down. And this year, we're looking at a program of nine wells. There will be five exploration wells, which will continue to 
uh, range over the whole block, looking at uh, other deposits to try and increase our uh, contingent resource. And we'll also be uh, having four uh, what we call appraisal wells, which are going to be drilled in close to the Nongon Big Slope Yangir region, where uh, we think that is going to be our next discovery and the next place we'll probably do a pilot in the coming years. Sorry, sorry, those four appraisal wells, are they uh, around, uh, is that building out the pattern on uh, Nongom 8 and 9, or is it? Uh... Uh, you, well, they're on trend, I'd say. Uh, I wouldn't say so much as a pattern. Uh, there, there are kind of two uh, key areas where we're going after Nongon. One is called Big Slope, and the other is called Yangir. Now, they're on the same trend or line, if you like, and there's probably there's probably about almost 100 kilometres uh from the uh, one side of Nongon to the other end of, of Yangir. And so we're uh, using uh, the appraisal wells to uh, drill more in that area and acquire more information on gas content and permeability, which will help us to uh, uh, increase our contingent resource over what's been a pretty successful program so far. Remind me what your contingent resources are in, um, in, uh, in Mongolia. Oh, okay. So the contingent resource is very modest because we only did it over the Mon the Nongon uh, discovery itself, uh, which was literally only over a few kilometres. I think it's of the order of uh, twenty or thirty BCF in the middle case. Okay. Um, and what 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 we can with your technical head on? What drives value here? Is it is it growing your uh, commercial resource, your your contingent resource? You know, are the exploration wells if they can. Uh, and the appraisal wells, if you can kind of grow your contingent resource from 20 to 30 BCF to into the hundreds, does that is that a game changer for this project or is it more down the kind of the um, the, the flow rates from the pilot testing? Uh, well, no, the, in the first instance, it's definitely the contingent resource. Um, the appraisal wells uh, will immediately extend the, um, uh, the contingent resource and drive it into... Uh, you know, a significantly larger number. And uh, to have a contingent resource for a coal seam gas deposit in Mongolia, you need two things. Number one, you need a, uh, a desorb test, which proves that the gas is present. And you need some sort of test or injectivity test or drill stem test, which shows you have adequate permeability. And so where you have both of those present, then you can book a contingent resource. And so uh, we booked our contingent resource very early on where we only had that information over extremely small area because when we first made our discovery at Nongon, uh, all we had was a small valley to, to, to work in and so we moved in and did that rather quickly and then we've since spread out over a much larger area but we haven't returned to get the uh, contingent resource enlarged and to do that we're building up our IFOP and permeability data set and we're hoping that this year We'll, uh, that will be completed and enable us to give a very, uh, a very significantly larger um, uh, contingent resource. Beyond that, of course, the exploration wells will then identify new trends like that one, and that's how we kind of build up to be a, uh, uh, well, frankly, a significant and world-class resource. Uh, would you say I, I thought is that the, the is that the the desorption test? No. So I thought stands for injectivity fall-off test. And so uh, if you've heard of a drill stem test, that's where you extract fluid from the, uh, from the well bore. With an injectivity test, you inject fluid into the well bore and you watch to see how the pressure relaxes. 
And as the pressure relaxes, so we can interpret the permeability and therefore the ability of the wells to flow via the cleating and the fracturing. Okay, thank you. And um, what when you talk about kind of a coal bed methane resource being, you know, world class or significant, what 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 figures do you have in your mind? You know, particularly for not not um, just you know, I'm I'm new to this, so you know, what what sticks out as being good? Oh, look, I think uh, you know, I think that a world class resort a resource would be. Uh, we would be measured in, in trillions of cubic feet or, or a TCF. But by the time you've got uh, hundreds of BCF, you know, you're certainly, uh, you know, significant without any doubt. And, and look, uh, you know, I think without uh, talking about the other players, of course, when we started, we were the only guys in the, uh, in the Gobi Basin. Now we've got sort of people to the left and people to the right. And they're, we're all kind of heading towards, you know, TCF style contingent resource. I think that's where this, this plays is heading. Good. Um, well, good luck. Uh, in terms of the news flow, uh, it, it feels as if there's going to be more coming out of Mongolia than out of Australia, or, is that, or, or, or am I wrong? Will you be able to kind of generate news flow in the, in the, in the run-up to the uh, potential spud at uh, uh, Daydream 2? Yeah, look, I'll, look, I'll probably I'll probably suggest it's about 50-50, actually, uh, uh, Merlin. I mean, you've got, uh, certainly we'll have drilling results. We've had the close of the... Uh, uh, of the of the pilot, um, there'll be activity pretty steady in Mongolia as there is, you know, every year. Uh, the drilling will start literally within a few weeks. We always shut down over the winter period. It gets pretty harsh in in the Mon in Mongolia. There, I mean, we're talking, you know, minus twenty degrees. Uh, our last well we drilled, uh, I was running an IFOT test, which is an, an injectivity test of um, of actually literally water into the formation, and we had a cold snap. I was on the well site. And all the water, uh, all the water uh, uh, valves froze, and we just, you know, we got hot water, we got heaters, but you know, in minus twenty or minus thirty, it's pretty tough. So, uh, so look, we try and shut down over the winter period. We'll be starting up in the next month. That's going to be pretty active. In terms of uh, uh, Queensland, though, look, there's quite a lot of information that's going to be coming through. We've got a lot of uh, activity still going on with respect to what we're doing on our planning. And the research we're doing on our on our uh, program, so that's exciting. There's a lot of activity surrounding uh, the blocks in uh, in Queensland. Actually, I know that there's drilling going on both east and west. So there'll be key data points which we'll be bringing into our uh, our program. And uh, then before too long, we'll start ordering the long lead items, putting formal planning in place, securing the rig, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Greg, thank you very much for the update. It's been uh, fascinating hearing uh, what's been going on in the last. A few years and and hearing the latest from the coal um the coal face, <laughs> coal face. That's exactly what it was. Okay, well, Merlin, it's a pleasure to speak to you as always.